Hello, I'm Pastor Rob Spencer of Church United. We are excited because God is at work in our community of Christ followers. And it is my hope that God works in your life as you listen to this message today. If you'd like more information about Church United, please visit us at churchunited.family. Man, Christmas, I love it. Now, I don't, I, I, I've given you, you should love me just so you know. If, if you are, if you're, uh, you know, phone people and some, the longer I have a phone, the more I wish we didn't have phones, but uh, then I try to not use my phone for a period of time and then I feel like I'm missing an arm. Uh, you guys know where I'm at. These things, I last week gave you permission as your pastor to use your phone for something during church. And I even went as far to tell you, this is worship. Like, if you text to give online, just think of using your phone as worshiping God. So next time your wife is like, hey, honey, put down your phone. Say, I'm, Pastor Rob said I can worship. Now, you probably have to do so within your means if all you're doing is texting to give all the time. But I'm going to give you a new excuse to worship on your phone. You ready? So on my phone right here, I have this app. It's called the Bible app, or actually it's called Version, and it's the Bible. How many have Version on their phone? Yeah. If you don't have this app, I'm giving you a reason. I'm not just advertising. I get no kickbacks for this. It's free, all right? So it wasn't created by me by any means. Um, this wonderful church out, out Midwest somewhere put this together. But it's called Version, like not me, but you, Y-O-U version. And you, go to, you can do it right now. I'm giving you permission. If you don't have this app and you want it, it's free. You pull out your phone, go to your app store, version, whatever you got, Android or Apple, whatever you use, um, you, can, you can get this. So in this, what I'm doing, and this is why we're talking about it, is you'll download this app, and there's something called plans. You'll see it on the bottom of the screen. You hit the plans button, and if you search uh, up in the little screen, write Advent, the journey to Christmas, so you search for that, it will bring up a plan of how we can walk together as a church through daily devotionals throughout the Advent Christmas season. So I would encourage us together to walk through this. Right here is what it looks like if you download it, and it has these days on it, and it keeps you on track. This is day one because it's December 1st. We're day one of 25. So you click on that, and when you Type that little, or poke your little finger, or whatever you do on your phone, uh, on the devotional thing. It will bring up a devotion for you to read uh, that talks about what, who Jesus is, what the season's about. It just keeps us together, because here's what I want you to know. And then you can read the verse for the day, read the devotional. Even in this one has a prayer connected to it, so you can, it even has a prayer of thanksgiving to pray each day. And what this is, why this is important is sometimes you know how it is. I love Christmas, but Christmas can get really, really busy. All right, we're running around, we're doing things, we're meeting with people, going to parties, we're buying gifts, we're worrying about the money we don't have to buy the gifts and what January is going to look like trying to pay the credit card bill. Um, you know, we've got all these things going on, all this worry and stuff. I want us to remember as a family, I want to challenge us together to go through every day with reminders of Christ. So if you download that version, go there, search for that app. We will have a link um, by tomorrow at least, and maybe you'll have to catch up a day, um, on our Facebook page um, that gives you a link to that in that app or whatever that is. I don't know how technology works. But anyway, it's on there. But I would encourage you 
with your family, if you've got kiddos, sit down, read those in the evening with your kids before they go to bed. Or do that in the morning if you don't have kids or whatever, or you have kids and you think it's above them or whatever. Just spend some time with Jesus focusing on the meaning of Christmas. Because Christmas is wonderful. I love the Christmas season. Now, no matter where you're at, and I realize there are some people that walk into certain seasons and they feel like there's something connected in their past to that season. Maybe it's a death of a loved one. Maybe it's a breakup of some kind of relationship. Something reminds you during this season, you can be reminded of a reason to grieve. And I don't want to discount that by any means. I believe there are real things that are going on in everyone's lives um, that cause us just markers and reminders. But I want to challenge you this season. If that's usually what ends up happening to you during the Christmas season, is shift your focus to just remember the reason why we celebrate is Jesus. Even when we're down, even when we're depressed, even when we walk into seasons and we're missing loved ones from the past, all those things, remember the reason why we're here is Jesus. Jesus. And focus our hearts and try to focus our attention on Jesus. And one of the reasons I like Christmas so much is because Christmas really turns us into focusing on love. Love is a huge part of Christmas that I think all around us, outside of maybe Black Friday, people trampling and elbowing for deals and all that kind of stuff. Maybe there's not so much love on Black Friday, but um, maybe Cyber Monday is a little easier because you're just on the internet and you don't have to interact with people. But overall, the Christmas season itself, really people go above and beyond to show great acts of kindness and love toward one another. It seems like an easier time of year to connect with people that may sometimes feel very distant, but during this season we have the ability, uh, people just seem to be more open. And that idea of loving one another, caring for one another, it just seems to be prevalent in the Christmas season. So that's one of the things I love about Christmas. So we're going to walk through the different pieces of Christmas over the next several weeks, love, joy, uh, peace, uh, hope, in Jesus, we're going to be walking through, talking about this, but in this series called Christmas Unwrapped, not only are we talking about these things that we can unwrap, these gifts that we're given. So if someone hands me this, I'm given this wonderful gift at Christmas from Jesus Christ, and all of it, just not, not, not a spoiler alert by any means, but um, in case you didn't know, Jesus is the real gift, right? Um, so Jesus is the reason why we celebrate. It's the whole reason for Christmas. But within Jesus, we have love, joy, hope, peace. We have all these things that we're going to begin to unwrap about Jesus. But the wonderful thing about Christ is sometimes it just doesn't make logical sense. Some of the things we read in the Bible, you have to say that's God sense, not common sense. You, you read it and you go, I don't get that. How does that work? And one of the things that we're going to talk about, and it's not, I just, I'll pause just for a moment before I get too far ahead of myself. I love to be in partnership with other churches. In this series, we're not just doing this by ourselves, but Pastor Robert from Village Church, their church is going through this series as well. There's a church in uh, New Hope, um, New Life, that's going through this series with us as well. There's a church in Afton that's going through this series. So we sat down, Pastor Robert, myself, Pastor Mark sat down and just praying through, thinking, how are we going to do this? And we had some other churches say, hey, we want to be a part of that. So we're doing this and going through this with other folks as well. So we're doing devotions together. We're doing a Christmas sermon series together. Isn't it nice? Feel the love. It's Christmas. So you unwrap this gift, and in order to have this gift, someone has to give it to me, right? 
So that's step number one. You give, give me the gift. Okay, so now I've got this gift. And say I rip this gift apart, I tear into it, and then, and then I, I have the gift. In order for me to keep the gift, I have to be willing to give the gift away. Wait a minute. In order to keep it, I have to be willing to give it. That's where the kingdom of God and some of the things that we see that God brings to the table don't necessarily make sense to us. We have to sit and we have to think a little bit about these gifts that we were given, the gift of even Jesus Christ, was not given just for us to hold and to keep. The reality is if we want to keep it, we have to be willing to give it up. So in Christmas, we begin talking about love, and we love to talk about love. And, and, and we see that's the whole reason, what, the reason why we get so excited about love, is it is the reason for the season. In, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 9, John says this, he says, God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. Now, that's what Christmas is, right? This is, this is Christmas. God showed how much he loved us. Christmas is the sending of his son. So Christmas, what we celebrate right now, the birth of Jesus, is an expression of God's love. So that's why we get all warm and fuzzy and everything else. I, I believe that's why there's so much love around the world during Christmas is even people that don't have a relationship or have never received the gift of Jesus, they just, love is an innate thing that happens because this is the season we celebrate the gift of God's love. And people are open to it. So God sends his son, and this, I love this verse 10, says this is real love. This is real. It's not a feeling. It's not that thing between you and your girlfriend or boyfriend in sixth grade. You know, it's not that wonder if this is love. Is this really love? No, it was not really love, just so you know. It may have felt like it was love, but it wasn't really love. This is real love. God loved us so much. He sends his son. Why? He loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Now, Matthew chapter 1 is where we all go, or Luke, to read the Christmas story. And there's a connection here between these. He sent his son to take away the sins of the world. It's the same thing that we're told in Matthew chapter 1 verse 21. He said, and she will have a son, you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So what we're realizing here is there's this theme of we are sinners, and one of the things that Christmas that, that we have to kind of connect with is the idea that Christmas won't be exciting to us. Christmas w won't mean a whole lot to us every year. Or you could look at the church. You could look at other followers of Jesus Christ. You could look at other people and, and, and you could say, why are they so excited about Christmas? You will never get really that amped up about Christmas if you don't realize that you are in need of a Savior. That you are sinners. So before we can focus on all the fun stuff of Christmas, we have to focus on the fact that we are awful people. Now this isn't fun. We don't, that doesn't spread much holiday cheer and joy, does it? Just turn to the person beside you and say, you're a sinner. Merry Christmas. Follow it up with Merry Christmas. You're a sinner. Merry Christmas. 
That, you're not saying it very much. I don't hear it. I, I, I really, I want to hear this. It just brings, brings me joy, some sadistic way. You're a sinner. Merry Christmas. Those things don't sound like they should go together, but they do. It is the whole reason why we should be excited is to realize that we are sinners. We have sinned, and apart from God, we have no eternal life. Apart from the gift of God sending His Son from heaven to earth, we, we would never get a chance to live with Him for eternity. Our sin would separate us from God for all eternity. So the idea that I'm a sinner should somehow just bring a smile to my face because even though I was a sinner, still in my sin, God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for me. Which means even though I am not worthy, even though I am not deserving, Someone wrapped this in Grinch paper. I just have a feeling this wasn't the paper God used when he sent his son. The swaddling clothes were not like this. Anyway, even though I'm not worthy, here's a gift. I don't deserve it. It's not for me. Or it is for me, but it, it shouldn't be for me. It should be for someone else. And even though I'm not, not worthy, I don't feel like I'm worthy, a gift has been presented. And the whole reason the gift was presented is because we absolutely needed a Savior. So we have to wrap our minds around that first before we can get on to celebrating, before Christmas is going to mean a whole lot to us, we have to recognize the fact that we are desperately in need of salvation. Because our sins have separated us from God. So it's the whole reason he sent his son. Now, I, I want to get us kick-started here and get our mind going. So not only am I going to read 21, I'm going to back up. And I don't know if this is on the screen. I don't think it is. But, but what I'm going to ask you to do is just close your eyes. And let's get ready for the Christmas season. Just listen. Clo I can't close mine because I have to read. But close our eyes and just think. Just imagine. Just picture this. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. And as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. He said, Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Yeah, clap, 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 clap. Yeah, praise the Lord. This is, this is it. So even though, again, a virgin 
is pregnant with a baby. Doesn't make sense. To have it, you have to give it. Doesn't make sense. We can't wrap our minds around these things that God is doing. But what we can know is that God had a plan. From the beginning, and if you read your Advent devotional today, what you'll find out is, in Genesis, we were separated from God through sin. And from the beginning of that separation, God had a plan to bring us back to Him. We need a Savior. And He showed us His love and has shown us His love through sending His Son, Jesus Christ. So we, we resonate with this part of the Christmas story. I really think we do because it's nice to be loved. We like being given a gift. Everyone likes to be loved. I, don't, I like when people love me. I, it's, it's wonderful. Now I know everyone doesn't love me. There are people that, that, that may not like me very well at all. But that's okay. I still, I, I like to be liked. Even people with the toughest skin, the thickest skin, whatever, and they're like, it doesn't matter to me. I'm a loner. No, we love to be loved. We love to know that someone else cares for us, that someone out there loves and cares and has compassion for us and cares to, and desires to meet our needs. Someone that wants to understand us. We love to be loved. So we like the Christmas thing because it's just the feeling of love is in the air, the mistletoe. My wife decorated the house yesterday, and uh, she's got this mistletoe, and she hangs it up right outside of our, our bedroom, like right outside the door. I don't know if she meant to do this on purpose, but I always think, that's fun. You know, I get to go in, we walk in together, stop under the mistletoe, and do like this, and we kiss. That's probably never happened, actually. But we have kissed under the mistletoe. I was, yesterday, Ella was like, Dad, I was trying to get Levi, and I was like, Levi, come here, I have something to show you. Uh, and Ella's trying to call him over, and he ran around the corner and then looked up and saw her under the mistletoe and screamed and ran the other way. He was not having any part of it. But we, we love this idea. There's love in the air. It's a wonderful thing because we love to be loved. However, there's a difference between liking a gift and really receiving a gift. You can take a gift from someone and you can like the idea of the gift. Like, I like to be given a gift. Even if I don't like what's in the gift, I like the idea that someone thought of me. And if you, have you ever handed something to someone and they, they open it up? And, and you do this a lot with kids, um, and I did it a lot as a kid. Um, you open the gift and it's like, oh. Because you're told, you know, when you're younger, it's like, eh, like that. Um, and then you get a couple spankings, uh, at least in my house we did. And uh, you're told how to respond properly. So you give the, uh, oh, thank you. That's so nice. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Really, you didn't have to. That's something else. And then we just kind of set it off to the side and we look for our next gift. And you can have that gift, you can take it, but there's a difference between that taking the gift and actually receiving the gift, right? Because when you receive the gift, I talked about it a little bit last week, some of the greatest uh, 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 
compliment, some of the greatest um, encouragement and appreciation you can show to the giver of a gift is if you actually use the gift. Right? If it actually means something to you, the difference between you take it, you open it up, and man, thank you for the socks. That's great. And the difference between that and, oh man, thank you for this new phone. Thank you for this. You don't watch these commercials. Who is gifting each other with cars? You know, and now the new one. I was watching a commercial the other day, and it's like they realize no one is gifting anyone else with a car, so the new thing is gift yourself with a car. From James to James. Oh, isn't that nice? I bought myself a car. I, I don't know where, who's buying these gifts for each other at Christmas, but ours is like, oh, a matchbox car. Thanks, honey. Um, but when you get something that you like, and then you use it, a sweater, man, I like sweaters. And you get a sweater and you use it. The greatest compliment I could give to my wife when she, I don't know if you bought me, who bought me from my mom. This looks like something my mom would buy. Um, so it's probably my mom. The greatest gift that, you know, thanks I can give to my mom is the fact that 10 years later, I'm still wearing the same sweater that she bought me 10 years ago. And, and, and that's a great gift. And, and that's how you show that you've received the gift. And John talks about this very much in 1 John as he's talking about the gift and how to receive a gift. And, and, and he gives this really clear picture in John chapter 4, verse 11, of how you can know whether or not you just like the idea of the gift of love that God has given, whether you just like the idea or have you actually received it. Do I just like that God loves me and it feels good and I feel fuzzy, or do I actually receive the gift? In John chapter 4, verse 11, says, Dear friends, since God loved us that much that he would send his son, surely we ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. And then he goes on in, in, in verse uh, 20, and he says, If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see. How can we love God who we cannot see? And, is he, and he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. So here's a picture that John's painting to say, how do you know if you've actually received the love of God? Because if you've received the love of God and you're holding on to the love of God, it has so much changed you and transformed you and made you a new person because you've taken this gift in. You're using the love of God. You're using it so much that you can't contain it. You can't keep it to yourself and you just have to give it away. That you're giving the love of God. That's how you know. And then he goes on in, in um, John chapter 1 John chapter 3, let me see where we're at. Verse 18, he says, Dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other. Let us show by our actions. So the fact that we love results in our actions being different. Our actions changing. Now here's, uh, I think I may be jumping around a little bit, John, so forgive me. Um, Here's the, here's the interesting thing. John is so, so excited and so desirous to let people know that Jesus is for real, that God's love is for real, 
that he's writing this book. And when he writes this book, most scholars believe that the book was probably written toward the, toward the end of the first century. So we're looking at the 90 AD at that range. Jesus died on the cross in the, the 30 AD range, in that range there, 30 to 40. So here we are, potentially 60-some years, 50-some years past the death of Christ. They're coming to the end of John's life. And what you have is you have a group of people that are now, that, that, that are in the church, that are part of followers of Jesus, that never were walking this earth when Jesus lived. They're just hearing stories about who Jesus was, similar to us today. That, that none of us that were on the earth walking with Jesus some of you are old in the room, but you're not that old, okay? In perspective, you're young bucks, all right? And, 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 and you're just, you're not there that you weren't with Jesus. And John is realizing that all of a sudden he's pastoring churches and he's teaching people that never actually with their own eyes saw Jesus. And it may seem like Jesus was a legend. It was like that high school buddy that you're, you're, Grandpa talks about that seemed like he, that guy must have been able to do anything. I'll tell you, we went hunting together. That boy could hit a buck from 500 yards away. You know, there are all these stories that are being told. And this idea that Jesus is like, I don't, or John is like, I don't want these new believers that have never walked with Jesus, never seen Jesus, just to think that he was made up. I want them to understand that he was real, and he really existed. So John, in 1 John chapter 1, goes a long way to say to these people, not only is the love of God real, but Jesus himself is real. So he says in John chapter 1, verse 1, we proclaim to you that the one, Jesus, who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen, we saw him with our own eyes. We touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. Oh, don't you love that? He was for real. John says, I was there. We walked among him. We were just young. John, at that time, most people believed that he died at around between 90 and 100 years old. So if that's the case, John at this time, when, Jesus, when he was with Jesus, just a young teenager... And John said, I want you to realize something. These aren't just stories. These aren't just feel-good things. This isn't just a Hallmark kind of movie where you walk away going, oh, that's sweet. How many of you are addicted to like Hallmark movies during the holidays? Oh, yeah, we got some hands. Molly Law, I should have known. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, <laughs> John is saying, I want you to realize this is not a story that is fictional. This is not just good writers writing something down about a lady who had a baby that, out of wedlock, but she was a virgin. It sounds pretty incredible. It sounds like maybe someone could have, could have made this stuff up because that's not the world we live in, but this is supernatural. And John's helping them understand it is supernatural, yes. Yes, it's absolutely supernatural, but it's not fictional. It's not a comic book. It's not made up. This isn't Superman born in a kryptonite somewhere. It, you know, it's none of that kind of stuff. This is real. And John's saying, we know it was real. We walked among him. 
This, verse 2, this one who is life itself was revealed to us, and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and he was revealed to us. Catch this again. We proclaim, verse 1, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning. This means Jesus existed long before he was born on this earth. Crazy, right? Sounds like a made-up story. And John's saying, I'm telling you, this happened. It was real. We walked among him. We touched him. We heard him. We were with him. He taught us. He mentored us. He showed his love. His love was unwrapped. While we were with him, we felt the love of God through his son, Jesus Christ. He is for real. And we proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. This should get us excited. Yeah, get excited. Jesus is not made up. There are some other things, and just for the sake of young years in the room, that are made up around Christmas time. Some other things that we may believe. Jesus is not one of those fictional things. Who he is, what he does, it is real. And his love is real. So we read in 1 John then, chapter 3, verse 16, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. That's how you can know what love is. And then how you know whether or not you've received, really believed that Jesus is real, that you've actually fallen in love with Jesus, how you know that that love has changed your life, that this has been a gift that you've received, you know that by your actions. He says if someone in verse 17, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth, so we will be confident when we stand before God. You can't have it if you don't receive it. And you can't keep it if you're not willing to re-gift it. You can't have it if you don't receive it, and you can't keep it if you're not willing to re-gift it. A lot of times we re-gift things because we don't want them. I want you to rethink about re-gifting. Put it in a new light this year. We're not re-gifting because we don't like it. We're re-gifting because we can't contain it. We want other people to experience it. Have you ever got a present or got some, someone's given you something and it's like, oh, everyone has to know about this. 
You have to know about this thing. And we tell other people about the cool thing that we got or the way that it changed our lives or whatever it is. And, and someone will give us something. It's like the version app. I want to tell you about it because I love it. How it can change your walk with God and spending time with Him and having something to do devotions and in plans and spending time and it can enhance your relationship with God. So I want you to have it so that's, it didn't cost me anything, and, but, but I want to re-gift it. I want to give it to you. I want to tell you about it because we're in love with it. It's like Amway, you know? No, it's not a pyramid scheme. I was just kidding. That was a joke. Come on, you guys. It's Christmas. So here's the thing, re-gifting. I want to give this away to Jerry, right Jerry? I want Jerry to have this gift because I love it so much, I don't want to keep it to myself. But the truth is the only way I can keep God's love is if I'm willing to give God's love because it proves that I had it, because it changed my life. So, you can't have God's love if you don't receive God's love. And you can't keep God's love if you're not ready to re-gift God's love and give it away. So all we're doing throughout this Christmas season is we are talking about that very thing. God gives us his love so we can give to others. And we can know we received it because we are willing to give it away. So as we talk about this, we've got some very practical things that I want you to be aware of that are going on. What ways can you in the church be, excuse me, be a part of giving away love, joy, peace, hope, being Jesus to people around us? Well, one way is simple. If you want other people to be a part of it and know what God's doing, you can invite them. I'm telling you, Christmas is an incredible time to invite people to church because they're very willing to come and to hear. So I encourage you, on the farm table, on the way out, on the back, there are some cards back there that just have the Christmas series and also our Christmas evening services on December 22nd. We're partnering with Village Church. They're going to be right here, and we're going to pack the place out. Two services, 5 o'clock, 7 p.m. Both those times, we'll have services here. It's going to be great. Invite people to be a part of that. That's one way that you can share if if you love your church, if you love what God's doing in your church, if you feel like this has been a gift that God's given you, tell someone about it. Give that away. More practically than that, and more tangible than that, Clint Webb has been connected with jail ministry for years at our church and has a presence in the Middle River jail ministry. And Clint's going to be talking about that. We'll let you know more and more about that over the next several weeks and get you more familiar with that. But God's laid on his heart and led him to start, um, just in the last couple months, New Leaf Inmate Ministries. And part of that passion and that heart is, can God do more? What other things can God do through us? So one of the things that we're doing is we're partnering this month. I want you to know about what Clint is doing so you can be praying for him and also so that we can partner with him because there are a lot of people that are in jail that Clint has an opportunity. John Bassett shares that ministry with him. They go into the jail ministry. There are other people beginning to get connected in the church, connecting and partnering with that ministry, which is exciting. But we want you to know, what can you do? Maybe you're not, you can't, you don't have the time or whatever, whatever the situation is. How can you get connected? So in the back, we have this big, huge refrigerator box that has Christmas wrapping paper around it. 
We're going to encourage you. Clint, if you make your way up here, I'm going to get, let you share some of the details of what that is specifically. But what we're doing is we're going to give you an opportunity to show love. All right? So this month, we are collecting for the jail ministry... Uh, we are collecting some clothing, warm clothing. So tell us about that, Clint, and what that looks like. Okay, well, thank you. The first thing I think that you need to understand is what the need is. Why are we giving clothes to people who are in jail? They all wear orange jumpsuits. <laughs> but they don't always stay in jail. They eventually get to go home. Most of the ones in this particular jail go on into prison, but they release... 20, 30 people a day at this jail. This is a big jail. It houses more than 900 people. One of the big problems is, is that people get arrested in the summertime when they're wearing shorts and t-shirts and flip-flops. And they get released in January and it's cold. And they don't have anything warm to put on. So the jail, believe it or not, has a heart. And they don't want to put anybody out in the cold. So every year at this time, they ask for donations of warm clothing, just so that when somebody's going to be released from jail, they don't have to put them out there in shorts and flip-flops. They put them out there with warm clothing on. Another little thing that happens is, as a, in prison, people work. They get jobs. They're doing things. Not so much in jail. They'll sit in jail sometimes for months and not do anything. So they weighed 140 when they came in, but they're going out at 180. And they don't have anything to wear because what they wore in no longer fits. So they need warm clothing. That's the need. The need mostly is for jackets, sweaters, coats, but any warm clothing. And folks, another thing too is we don't need fancy clothes here. They're not looking for that. That's not needed. You got beautiful, nice dresses, give them to the mission or Love, Inc. or something like that if you want to do that. But we're talking about practical, warm clothing here. That's the need. And if you'll bring it, we'll get it to them. So one of the others, hang on, Clint. You're going to answer another question for me. All right. You'll be ready, I'm sure. So one of the other things we talked about is, okay, we can give clothing, but sometimes... Even in this idea of, okay, it's getting winter time, we're pulling out our old winter clothing, and we're like, oh, I can give this or that, and it's almost a help to us, and it's not much of a sacrifice sometimes because we're cleaning things out, and we're just throwing them in a box, and, and we're happy to be rid of it. I really want this to be a mission of love. So beyond just giving clothes, the encouragement is even if you don't have clothes, you don't have anything you can give, in the back you'll also see two tables. Both of them have red tablecloths around them. There are cards that we've gotten for you. And what we would like you to do is if, if you bring something in, we would like you to write a card as well. There's some, I, I think there may be a sample card, some ideas of things that you could put. Uh, Clint can share some of that with us right now. What could you write on this card? Now, keep in mind, these aren't Christmas cards because in a couple months from now, these may be some of the clothes that someone's giving. They're going to have this card that they can hand someone with the clothes that says someone's thinking about you, someone's praying for you, someone loves you. What would be a good thing that maybe someone could write on a card? I love you. <laughs> you might want to put it different than that. But the whole point of the matter is, is that this is a wonderful, wonderful opportunity for people to know as they come out there's a place that will welcome them. 
we reach as many people as we can in that jail. But out of those 900 people, really, we reach very few. We just don't have the opportunity to go in and preach and teach to everyone there. But when they come out and they see that Christian people have cured enough to give them some clothing, as they walk out of there with your sweatshirt on or your jacket on their back or your shoes on their feet, and they've got a little note that says, this is from me to you. I care enough about you to know that people care. We're, we're Church United downtown. You'd be welcome here. We love you. Anything of that nature, guys, can you see? They come out, truthfully, this is one of the big things that New Leaf Ministries is going to be about, is we want to be there for them. Not just, I'll tell you more about it next week. Not just trying to reach them while they're in jail, but when they come out, we want, to be, we want them to know that we'll help them walk in such a way that they don't go back. Yeah, yeah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, brother. Yeah. So here's some of the things. Just, just so you know, here's the front of a couple of these cards. Thank you, John, for bringing this to me. For with God... Nothing shall be impossible. How, how encouraging would that note just by itself on the front of that card be as you're getting out and you're putting on a clothes, clothing that you didn't come in with, someone donated this to you. Mightier than the waves is his love for you. Just reminders of God's truth, of God's love, that these, these folks that are in here have a chance to start a new beginning. And what a great way the first thing that they get as they head out the door is a card from someone on the outside that they don't even know that said, I cared enough about you to bring you some clothing, to write you a card, to encourage you. We want to be giving away the love of God. We want to be giving away the joy of God, the peace of God, the hope of God. And that's what I'm going to challenge you to do. Now, these are some ways we can do it with inside, and we're focusing this in the church. The year-end uh, giving and the offering, that 10% is going to New Leaf. Um, the other things of just being love practically in the church and helping uh, the church be able to be in this space and get the fixings and all the stuff that we need to get the building under wraps. All of that stuff is important. But more importantly, I want you to realize, practically, practically, it's that verse we just read. How do we show God's love is real? It's by our actions. So what are we going to do through this Christmas season to not just say, I have the gift of God. I have the gift of love. I have the gift of hope. I have the gift of joy. I have the gift of peace. But to say, I'm willing because I have it and I know what it means to me. I'm willing to re-gift it and give it away. What's God calling you to do in this Christmas season to give that love away?